Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And my man, um, that is one of the most complete and thorough beatdowns of the Raiders. Probably since Jamal will Jamal Charles's five touchdown game, um, you know, in 08, 09. I don't even remember when it was, when that was, but uh, how much fun was that one to watch? It was glorious, Todd. I just want you to know it was a glorious Sunday night football and on KSHB 41 to be able to watch the Raiders look like the Raiders. So I was, I was very happy with that development and to see the Chiefs jump back into first place in the AFC West is delightful and that was that was an enjoyable game to watch from start to finish so i was very happy with that and i, I want to see more of that <laughs> yeah i mean honestly i at halftime i was thrilled that they were up 17 to 7 the defense was playing well the offense had played well um yeah i mean they did have a the three and out and they did have the mike hughes fumble that set up the the raiders touchdown there in the first half so wasn't a, a clean performance and, and I got to be honest, man, when, when Harrison Butker misses that field goal, the first thing I think is, man, you hope that doesn't give the Raiders momentum. And then they come out and score that touchdown in less than three minutes, and it's 17-14. And, and uh, you know, I start thinking about last year's game when it was back and forth, back and forth, and the Chiefs had to pull it out late, 35-31, and, and wondering, man, you know, I mean, how much of a difference could the crowd make this time around or something like that? 24 points later, I was much less worried. Yeah, I mean, the the key thing that I think people should take away from tonight is that in some other weeks, the Chiefs would have really kind of started to have some problems with penalties or something along the lines of some drops or, you know, kind of get down on themselves at times after a, a Mike Hughes fumble or, like you said, the Bucker field goal miss. Like in, in some of the past – past weeks those would have been precursors for like some some of the series ahead and how bad they were going to look but the resiliency the Chiefs showed out in Las Vegas was really impressive and that's kind of this was kind of like the hello old friend game for a lot of fans to kind of see more of who the Chiefs have been and who they've fans have expected them to be this year versus kind of what they had been going through for the first basically 10 we nine weeks of the season yeah. And I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes talked about wanting to get his swagger back and, and it's hard, hard to argue that he didn't, um, you know, 406 yards. That's his sixth career, 400 yard game, five touchdowns. That's the fifth time he's done that. And the second time this season, uh, it's the third time that Patrick Mahomes has had 400 yards and five touchdowns in the same game. He is now tied for the all-time NFL record with Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, and Joe Montana for the most career 400-yard, five-touchdown games. And he's four seasons into his career, realistically, um, yeah, which is – it's just insane. And, look, I know it's more of a passing league, you know, full respect to Marino and Montana who were a couple of the best to ever do it, you know, and, and ahead of their time. But it's crazy to, to – to, you know, I mean, those are the kind of things we expect, like these – insane stats right that that come up about Patrick Mahomes' performance and you know I mean the, the touchdown to Darrell Williams um, was incredible I really think though that it was the 13 play 82 yard drive 
um, capped by that fourth down touchdown to Noah Gray that was the difference in the game because that was at that point. It was 17-14, and then they answered and, and chewed up most of the third quarter, marching down the field and getting that distance again. And, of course, on the next Raiders drive, you know, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson lost his mind momentarily after catching that 40-yard pass and great play by Fenton. Almost a great play to pick it off by Matthew, but then he's Johnny on the spot to scoop up the fumble. And and from there, um, the Raiders didn't have a shot, man. It was the easily the most complete game of the season for the Chiefs, I think. Yeah, once I saw Carr throw up that first punt, um, I knew that things were things were only going to go in the Chiefs' favor at that point because Carr just – once Carr gets rattled at a certain point and he's lofting passes up there, they're going to be 50-50 balls for whoever's involved in it even if it's two opponents, you know, <laughs> that are in the same area. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Like yeah Sorensen has to knock over Thornhill to get the interception. Yeah. So <laughs> that's when, you know, like at that point, it's like, all right, car's car's mentally done. He's, he's given up on the night and he's just, he's going to self-destruct like he does when certain types of pressure get to him. And he wilted like Joey Bosa <laughs> said earlier this year. And, you know, just I mean, don't get me wrong. What's going on out there in Las Vegas right now for the Raiders? Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of real world stuff going on out there that they're yeah. that they're really kind of has taken their focus away from. You know, kind of the at times what the fantasy lane can be with NF being in the NFL and having the NFL limelight and that type of stuff. They've dealt with some real world stuff with the consequences of their their former head coach having the email and then with with rugs having the having the incident that he did i mean you know it's some tragic that that in itself is a tragic event and then obviously having to release the corner this week because of some of his video postings among other things that they finally it, it kind of i hate to say in some regards but it, i'll be curious to see when i look at the raiders um what mike mayock can do or does after this year whenever <clears throat> if he kind of is able to get more final say over personnel picks and decisions and kind of what if he turns it into something different on that roster so but i mean it'll it'll be i'm I'm very intrigued with that but man i tell you what i mean if there's one place i want to go watch the chiefs game away on the road it's going to be las vegas at some point like i, I really want to get out there and experience a game and kind of experience vegas in general out there i think i think that would be really 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 fun road trip i mean obviously not this Probably not this year unless they play in the playoffs, but um No, I'm just saying you and I, I, I smell a road trip in our future. Yeah, I mean, as long as we can uh as long as we can blend this uh as long as we can blare the song from the end of the first hangover movie our entire time that we're driving to it just on loop. So that'll be like a thousand times that song plays. That'll that'll really get me amped up like if uh like if I eat before we do a podcast and I'm really jacked up at that point. I mean, okay, but just understand it'll get really annoying when Colin keeps singing along to it. <laughs> Wait, we're bringing Colin on this truck? Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think we have to. What's it? Well, you, I mean, what <laughs> what activities are there out there for him to do in Vegas? Being under ten years old, penny slots. I don't think they really have rules out there. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> um. They have a daycare that's a kid casino out there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the 
the turnovers, I think, obscured how well the Chiefs were playing the first four or five games of the season, right? Um, right. And then on offense, I should yeah. say, on yeah. offense. Um, and then, you know, they, they, the wheels kind of come off in that, in that Tennessee game for the offense. And turned out they were not easy to put back on. I mean, they struggled against uh, the New York Giants. They struggled against Green Bay. Um, to, to get the offense going, they'd averaged, you know, 12 points a game the last three. I, I mean, I, you and I didn't think the sky was falling quite as much as a lot of people did. I don't, I don't think we, we thought, oh gosh, Patrick Mahomes is broken. We'll never see, you know, another signature performance from Patrick Mahomes, but it was important to see it, but I, I want to, I mean, it doesn't, it, that part doesn't surprise me. Um, knowing, you know, the injury history Kelsey's had, um, this year with the neck injury since the Buffalo game. Um, and then, you know, with Daryl Williams, I mean, and, and that, that catch, my goodness, I mean, you know, going up over, over Jonathan Abram and, and snatching that ball away was just that, that would be a, a pretty darn good play for a wide receiver for, for a thick old running back to be down the field doing that was highly impressive. Yeah. Which do you think was a, was a bigger performance and, and more important moving forward? Cause you know, we've talked about the need to get, you know, get Kelsey more involved and he had eight catches and 119 yards, which were both season highs, but we've also talked about the need for that third option to step up somebody to be a playmaker, you know? And so for Williams to have nine targets, nine catches, 101 yards, and also run the ball effectively when they weren't trying to run stretch and they were just running between the tackles, which one gives you more hope for the offense moving forward? Um, I'm going to take Williams' performance as more of an anomaly because of the defense they were going against. He took advantage of it, but I just don't expect that kind of production from him on a weekly basis. I think his was more scheme-based and from a play-calling perspective, what the Chiefs did overall collectively play-calling-wise. I, I just I feel like that third option right now, I feel like it's still going to rotate. And you're kind of hoping it maybe could bring Pringle. You're hoping maybe Gordon can step up. You know, at some point, maybe it's Gore. You don't know, but I, I think it's going to do. I think it's going to depend on the scheme. But it, I mean, I noticed you didn't say McColl. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> don't worry, that, that's not going to be. It's not going to be on the on my menu. Um, but I, I think that's you know you're you're kind of hoping here in the weeks ahead that Gordon can get more. Uh, touches in the offense and kind of get integrated in the offense and that they can keep winning so that, you know, you have that reliable third threat. And then one of those other guys can potentially be the rotational fourth threat, but that's kind of what you're looking at. If you're the chiefs is how do you keep adding more stack more on in terms of improving in defensive performance, special teams performance, and then also on making the offense even more effective than it was tonight against other defenses in the future that they're going to go up against so that they can try to maintain their lead in the AFC West. But I mean, from a play calling perspective, that was, that was vintage chiefs tonight. That was more of a over the entire run of the game. That was much more in tune with how to get your playmakers, the ball, how to properly kind of get Mahomes in rhythm and build confidence throughout and be able to keep their focus and keep them engaged. It was just a, it was a really well-called, uh, game. Yeah. And, and Mahomes still missed the big shot when it was there to Tyree kill. So, you know, um, if they, if they win and if they start connecting on those again, 
Um, it, it could be a little bit scary for for defenses going up against the Chiefs. And oh, I think defenses were on. I think defenses were nervous tonight watching that game at home. Well, and and I will say it it was a little bit surprising, I guess, um, when you look at the success teams have had with cover two and how frustrated uh, the Chiefs' offense has gotten to see them come out and play as much single high as they did. Um, I, I was surprised. I mean, I thought the Raiders would, would tweak and, and go with what's been effective against the chiefs. Um, but Hey, look, I mean, they went a different direction. And if that's what it takes to get the chiefs untracked and get that offense going again, like, thank you, Gus Bradley. Thank you. Los Angeles Raiders. Like that was very kind of you, um, to, to put that in and look, I mean, look, the chiefs came in tied, you know, uh, you know, tied with the Broncos for third place in, in the in the AFC West there. And then the whole division went and tanked one this week, except for the Chiefs. All of a sudden, they're alone in first place, control their own destiny, which is a familiar place for them. And, and where they want to be 10 games into the season, right? Because Andy always talks about winning the division is the easiest and most sure path to get into the playoffs and give yourself a chance to compete for a championship. And, and here they are, I mean, for all the frustration, all the on-field adversity they've, they've battled this year, um, they're right where they want to be 10 games in. So, yeah. And, and like you and I had kind of talked about that, um, at the start of the season, like, you know, I said, I wanted to wait to see where they are till week eight and they, you know, defense started kind of turning it around there a couple of weeks ago, about week seven, week eight. And then the offense kind of was able to finally get its groove back against the Raiders. So you're just kind of hoping they can all kind of stack that performance and, and build more onto it. But I mean, the, the key, the keys on defense have been like, we've talked about time and time again, um, putting Bolton at the Mike linebacker spot helped him tremendously in building his confidence during that time when Hitchens was gone. And he's, I think he could still make more of an impact at the mic if they, if they were willing to do it, but He's still making plays at other spots now because he has that confidence and he has a little bit more, a little bit more pep in his step. And then putting Thornhill back there has done wonders for for the coverages and what they're doing in that regard. And then adding Melvin Ingram and moving Chris Jones back inside, those are the other key things that have really kind of helped this defense get to kind of more of a middle of the road. I mean, the stats may not reflect it at times, but that's because of how much they were giving up early in the season. But who they are, who they are, I guarantee is at least middle of the road, if not higher in the past, probably four weeks. Well, and at the end of the time, at the end of the day, that's where they ended up in 2019 when mm -hmm. they were six and four, you know, coming off that loss at Tennessee. Um, stop me. If you've heard this before that they lost a heart, you know, a game at Tennessee, they were six and four Mahomes in that case was injured. This time he had struggled a little bit and then the defense figured some things out. Um, that, you know, they had a lot of AFC West games on the back end of that schedule. Um, they fire roasted the division that year and, and never lost again, uh, after that, that game at Tennessee. Um, I'm not saying that it, it absolutely is shaping up that way, but, um, tonight was encouraging. And, and I think the thing that I found most encouraging about the defensive performance, I mean, we talked about the Fenton play, but the job that Legereus Sneed and, and uh, Tyron Matthew did on, on Darren Waller, um, I thought was, was um, yeah. solid. Fenton was in there too at times. 
Yeah, the, the, a couple big plays in, in in the open field, big tackles that Legereus Sneed made in the open field early to snuff out drives for the Raiders, I thought were critical as well. And it's great to see Legereus Sneed starting to play, but that's two weeks in a row he's put together pretty good performances. It, this week it was with some some critical tackles. Last week it was some, you know, the interception in, in the pass defense late in the game against the Packers. But then you look at, you know, like you said, Melvin Ingram, you know, with, with the tackle for a loss, Jaron Reed getting in there, getting a sack, Derek Noddy getting his second sack in three weeks. I mean, lots of guys are stepping up and contributing now. And they're not having to lean just on Chris Jones. And then when Chris Jones is out, they're kind of wandering the desert. I mean, it seems like all the guys and Andy talked about, Hey, they're communicating better. Tyron Matthew talked about how, you know, they've got a better handle on how teams are going to try to attack them and, and they feel more comfortable. And for whatever reason, that seems to have been the case the last three years since Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew arrived, that it takes some time for Steve Spagnuolo's system to, to get set and, and to get figured out. But once they do get comfortable in it, they, they get going. So is this sustainable? Do you think, I mean, what we've seen, cause take out the Tennessee game and you know, they gave up 27 there. They'd given up 29 points or more in the first five games of the year, they gave up 27 to Tennessee, but they've given up 17 or less in the other four. And I know it's not a murderer's row of, of teams, but you know, that Washington football team that they put it on did beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. Um, you know, the giants beat the Raiders last week. Um, you know, green Bay showed what their defense is with a shutout against Seattle this week. So, um, you know, and obviously they didn't have Jordan love or they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, sorry, in that game, but, but still, I mean, the defense is going out and performing well. Do you, do you view this as sustainable moving forward? I mean, obviously the Cowboys are going to be one of the better offenses they face, but do you think that, that they figured it out? Or do you still think there might be some an element of fool's gold? I, I don't know if there's necessarily fool's gold per se. I think I think they've really stabilized their run defense, and they've become very consistent with that. <clears throat> with the addition of Ingram and moving Jones back inside, they're and Clark being healthy. That's that's kind of given Jaron Reed a little boost to where he's actually having an impact to a certain extent. And then I mean their linebacker play has been solid, so. It, for the most part, I mean, I, I feel like what they're doing on defense is kind of who they are now, and I think who they'll kind of be for the rest of the year as long as some of those key pieces stay in place um, that we've talked about previously in, in this episode. So I think I think if they don't have injuries along those lines, I, th I think what they're doing defensively is sustainable. And, and if the special teams can keep continuing to rise like they did last week and um, with, with Lamons and, and Kemp as the Gunners and Townsend, his performance last week and then the throw he had tonight on that. I'm telling you, there's a quarterback that. controversy in Kansas City. That was a gorgeous out route. Uh, just, he, he did a good job with it. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, uh, yeah, it, I mean, look, I mean, it, it's good to be talking about a ton of positive things and not having to look at all the situations that they had issues with. But the bigger question that I think they're going to have, that they have an offense that I think they need to answer is – because I think defense is stabilized, but I think they have to answer on offense is who's our, who's our consistent third option. What are, what are they going to do at right tackle? And, you know, for long-term, how long is Niang going to be out? Are they going to have to bring Kyle Long up to kind of help in that spot? Um, is there 
a potential possibility where they want to try to work Mitchell Schwartz back in if he's if he's up to it type of thing if they want to try to go sign him if he would be you know if he could get up to that back to that or if he kind of or if he's enjoying retired life yeah, or if it even wants to <laughs> yeah i mean i i wouldn't blame him one bit if you want to keep joining retired life and i have you know not have the back issues i totally get that um but yeah with rumors going on ir they're gonna have to figure that out both short and long term and then they're gonna have to decide when they want to bring clyde back up and when they when they do bring him back up because if i'm in their shoes i leave him out till after the bye week let him practice again this week you know, kind of let it rest a little bit and then try to bring him back after the bye week because it's really you don't you don't really need him right now and you want to get as healthy as possible. So I if I'm in their shoes, that's kind of what I do this week with him. But but then you got to decide the roster spot for him when you potentially bring him up. So yeah, and that's that's crazy. Um, you know, but as well as Darrell Williams has played, we've seen some really good things from Derek Gore. I, I know McKinnon isn't making a lot of necessarily a lot of plays but he ran well when he got his opportunities and his pass protection on third down has been on point yeah he's um, so good in blitz pickups so so those guys i mean the running back group has has a some good chemistry they're they're playing well right now so i agree i don't, I don't know that you need i don't i mean i don't think clyde edwards hilaire is a difference maker against the dallas cowboys so uh, you know i mean i think it no reason to shake it up if you don't have to um, you know, and I mean, you'd rather be, uh, healthy down the stretch, you know, I mean, especially in case one of those guys picks up a, you know, an ankle, you know, gets nicked on the ankle or something like that. So, um, but overall, man, I mean, you and I, I think this is the kind of performance you and I both wanted to see, right? Like yeah. when we were talking on Thursday, the question was, you know, like, are, are we ever going to see, you know, that, that 2018, 2019, 2020, chiefs team are we ever going to see them put it together are we ever going to see them you know like step on the jugular uh, on offense and and put teams away and frankly we hadn't seen it through nine games so it was a question of whether this team had it in them um and they showed today they definitively have it in them i mean to go on the road against a rival and yeah you you mentioned all the things that they're that are, are going against them I mean, obviously they're, they're, they were coming in limping a little bit, um, having just lost to the Giants, stuff like that, but still they were first place in the division. You know, they, they had an opportunity just like the chiefs to control their own destiny. If they won this game and one team, you know, came out on fire and, and, and played inc an incredible game. The other team laid a big old fat egg in front of their own fans. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I did love uh, Armani Watts, who, by the way, was the uh, the leading tackler. Um, I'm sure you saw his tweet where he said uh, said uh, made reference to uh, not needing to do a victory lap after this one. <laughs> oh boy, I did I did not, but I, I was busy putting together Sunday sound off, so I I didn't get to see a lot of things. Um, yeah. but outstanding work on that one. I uh, I will always cherish the victory lap in my heart. And and you, I think you and I kind of talked about this. Like, dude, it's it feels more and more like the Gruden victory lap was kind of the peak of his time in Oakland. Or, <laughs> yeah, right. Like when you Oakland look back, Oakland slash on Las it. Vegas. Like that's what it feels like. 
So Armani Watts after the game tweeted, we don't need no victory lap onto the next uh, with a little flex emoji. So uh, I, I figured you'd appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad that people still remember it. Um, all right. All due respect to Tennessee. Look, they just keep winning. Um, you know, they survived a scare stopping the two point conversion late against the new Orleans saints. Um, but without Derrick Henry, I mean, we've seen that offense struggle a little bit. Um, you know, the defense picked him up against the Rams and the saints have one of the better defenses in the NFL. So, um, but are you starting to feel like it may be chiefs Titans, um, are the two best teams in the AFC right now? Um, I, I don't want to get too far ahead yet. Yeah, I think you still got to put the Ravens in there. Maybe uh, the chiefs need to keep stacking games like today. Um, I, I don't think they'll be able to have the same type of output against the Cowboys, but if they do, that'll be phenomenal. I'm just glad the chiefs weren't the team that had to play the Cowboys the week after the Broncos game, <laughs> the Cowboys took all their punishment out on the Falcons. So I, I'm just glad that the chiefs aren't the, weren't the ones facing them. I mean, the chiefs have a tough task this week against the, Cowboys. I'm looking forward to watching their games on uh, Monday. It'll be half. It'll be half of my day, um, and I'm and I'm excited about that. So that uh, that'll be fun to watch. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Steelers. The Steelers game goes different uh, on Sunday if they have Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I'm curious to kind of see what the Patriots do. The Chargers are starting to kind of. They're starting Patriots to flounder. Is, Patriots are scary, man. Like a, um, the, the Patriots pay- have that old early Tom Brady Belichick for and the, people forget before Tom Brady was the goat, Tom Brady was just a kid who handed the ball off a lot. Um, like in 2001, when, when they beat the Rams, um, Bill Belichick has won with a young quarterback who just manages the game and a defense that's dominant before. So I, I think the Patriots are scary. I, I, I would put them right in the mix there with, um, I would not be shocked at all if the Patriots end up winning the AFC East over the Bills. I really wouldn't. Yeah, oh, that that wouldn't surprise me because see, part of the Bills' problem is like it just ever since they beat the Chiefs, it, they just don't seem like the same locked-in football team. Well, they did today, way. but that was the Jets. Yeah, I don't I don't count that. Yeah, uh, beat the, they did beat the Jets forty-five-seven, and the Jets are one of the teams that beat the Titans. So I don't yeah, know how no, you no. I don't know how you add that. Up. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a unique year in the AFC. So I mean, like it it's it, it's it, it'll be really interesting. I'm kind of curious to see what the Titans are going to do in the weeks ahead. Now that they've lost Julio Jones and Derrick Henry for you know, they've got such a weak weeks. schedule. It's just hard to see them getting to five losses. You know, and, and or the Chiefs winning out, which is what it would take for the Chiefs to get back to the number one seed. Um, well, but I'm not necessarily looking at wins losses type of thing. More so, what I look at with stuff like that is if those marquee players are out, that brings up Tannehill's risk of injury more. You know what I'm saying? And that brings up AJ Brown's risk of injury more because teams are able to kind of focus on those two a lot more. So I'm saying. It's not necessarily that. It's just like I think the the exposure and the targets change to where I I could see that being a problem to where maybe if one of them has an injury, then I think that really kind of puts the Titans in a bad spot. But, I mean, no, I mean, in terms of what they have left, I mean, hey, they're going to 
you know, they're going to, they're going to see the Patriots again. They're going to see a, I mean, they're going to see the Patriots are going to see a much more confident Jacksonville Jaguars. Doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to, the Jaguars are going to beat them, but they'll be more confident. And, and then, you know, we'll see what happens against them and the Steelers. That'll be an intriguing game. And then they'll, you know, we'll see where the Dolphins are at and if they Dolphins kind of build off what they did against the Ravens. But I, I thought this weekend was was a chance. If the Saints had pulled that off, I, I would have really started thinking uh, that it, it's going to go kind of like, uh, you know, 2018, 2019 did when they, you know, the breaks kind of went their way down the stretch and the Chiefs found themselves uh, in a position to, in 2019, be the number one seed and then, uh, you know, in 2018, uh, get up to the number two seed. And then, of course, um, you know, the Ravens, uh, or what? No, I guess they were the one seed in 20, 2018, and then got the two seed in 2019. And then the Ravens, you know, faltered against the Titans and they were able to host again. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I, I'm not sure the one seed's realistic, um, uh, barring an injury I'm, or something like I'm, you said. I'm not necessarily looking at a one seed. It's just, I'm just saying, like, I think there's, it's just saying the risk of injury, like the, the margins for the Titans right now in terms of, you know, what they can sustain really comes down to two players not getting hurt now since they've already lost two of the other guys. And yeah. so now that teams are going to focus on them, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous if I'm the Titans. But I'll tell you what, man, if you look at the Ravens schedule coming up after the, after the Bears game, I mean, the Bears will be good defense to go against them in that regard, but they got the Browns, the Steelers, the Browns, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers. Like, I mean, that's that's a that's a no, heck of a, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Heck of a schedule. They they've saying. got a tough schedule. Uh, I mean, I that's I think it, I think it comes down to the, I really do think it comes down to the probably the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Titans in the AFC right now. If I were if I were betting on it, and here's here's the Bills coming up. Bills have the Colts, Saints, Patriots, Bucks, four in a row. My goodness. And then we'll see where the Panthers are at. And then they got the Patriots again. And yeah. they already have three losses. So I mean, man, that whoo, that's uh that's not an easy schedule for the Bills. No, especially when you got a Bill Belichick team that's starting to rise up coming after you here in a little bit. Yeah. And and meanwhile, the Chiefs kind of like the Titans. I mean, you've got a couple games with the Broncos who I don't like they're capable of rising up and beating a team like Dallas, but I don't think that they're a better team than the chiefs. You get the Raiders again, you get a big rematch with the chargers. You got the Bengals and Steelers in there, but I mean, those, uh, you know, we knew coming into the season that those first, this first 11 weeks was going to be the tough sledding for the chiefs, right? Like we knew that if they could get out of it, seven and four, They'd, they'd be in pretty good shape. They'd, they'd be fortunate. Um, you know, of course, I, I think we hoped that they would do even better than that. But realistically, um, you know, it, it was it was it it wouldn't or shouldn't have been a shock that they were, uh, you know, that, that there were opportunities to lose some games uh, in that early season portion of the schedule. Um, but you know what? I mean, you beat the Cowboys and you're seven and four going into the bye week. I think you're feeling really, really, really good about where you're at this season, especially considering where you came from. Yeah, this is a huge week for for the Chiefs and what they can do, man. Because if, if they beat the Cowboys going into the bye week, I mean, that's, that's really something that you can kind of really put a pep in your step and then go get some rest for the week. Because I think that's really the most important thing 
if you can, I mean, the cherry on top is if you can, if you can beat the Cowboys at Arrowhead, but staying healthy in that game and then getting a week's rest, I think is going to do wonders for the chiefs collectively as a football team. So that's kind of the, the second and third things I mentioned there. Those are kind of the bigger things that I'm, I'm really rooting for the chiefs on. And then, you know, if, if they can beat the Cowboys or, at least have a really competitive game against them. I, I think that's really going to – I think it'll go a long way, but obviously getting a win would be – it would be huge for, for the football team. Yeah, and they've got to keep stacking wins. They don't have any margin for error because they're they're now two and four in the AFC, but um, with their head-to-head losses, the teams like the Ravens and the Titans and then their conference record, they're not going to come out on the right side of many tiebreakers um, unless some things really change dramatically uh, over the second half of the season. So – um, you know, it's going to be up to them to just keep winning. And if you keep winning, um, then I think things will work out for the chiefs. Just fine. Got anything else, man? No, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge of watching some Cowboys tape personally. Hey, nice job with the post game show. Uh, I hope, I, I hope people stuck around and watched it because, uh, uh, you're awesome, dude. Well, that was, uh, that was a comment. Uh, Justin and, and Sean Hirschberg handled the handled the news portion of that stuff. Right, and right, Nick, right. Nick and I made some uh, Sunday sound off magic. So, yeah, no, I hope hope people stayed with us till about uh, midnight whenever we finally went <laughs> off air. Well, now that it's 2.30, um, I am going to get some sleep so that I can, uh, you know, be a functioning adult tomorrow. All right, Todd, you got a keyword on our way out because some people actually really enjoy the keyword. Um, yeah, let's go with victory lap. Um, <laughs> oh God, you're after my own heart. The keyword is victory lap. And with that, oh, I, here's, here's my rant for the victory lap. <laughs> okay, here we go. I still, if you still, if, I mean, I'll, I'll share it the week the Chiefs play the Raiders again, because it's a cool moment to have my name mentioned on good morning football, one of my favorite shows. And my family was very proud. So that means that all the time they invested in me was worth something for one moment. Yeah. Um, but one shining but it, was, moment. It, was, it was funny when Peter Schrager and like Nate Burleson, like kind of, kind of scoffed at the report, like, you know, like, it can never be confirmed. And then like Gruden just kind of bashes, you know, he's like a bashes the bus driver that, you know, he just did whatever. And then Carr kind of somewhat kind of hinted at a confirmation on it. And then, and then Crosby just goes on uh, Colin, uh, Colin Coward show. He's like, yeah, I didn't know we were going around the stadium multiple times. And we <laughs> kind of figured out what it was. And I'm like, boom, boom, it can't be confirmed. So that was kind of one of those, one of those moments, man. I, I mean, I, I feel like you had a, a pretty good source on that one. I had so. a fantastic source. On that <laughs> one. <laughs> so, so anyway, with that keyword is victory lap. Uh, or you know we could have gone no 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 place. victory lap we could we could have gone first place but we're gonna go victory lap um and then hopefully it'll still be first place next week so uh anyway with that enjoy the week and take care kids <laughs>